Welcome to the Leaders Team podcast, made for school leaders by school leaders. Hello and welcome to the Leaders Team podcast. I'm Daisy Cave, the lead for the Senior Leaders Team here at Twinkle. And today I'm with Tracy Lees, an experienced senior leader, professional mentor for initial teacher training in ECTs, transition, cultural capital and English and literacy specialist, author and most importantly, a passionate advocate for women in leadership. It's absolutely fantastic to have you here with us today, Tracy. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm absolutely thrilled and I'm not going to play it cool at all, I promise. Well, I too have been very excited to record this podcast because since reading your book, I have felt truly empowered from it and I'm really excited to share um, more about that today with our listeners. So um, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, Tracy? Okay, so I am a teacher of 17 years. I have uh, a husband who's about to be a head teacher and he's pipped me to it. So I'm clearly fuming, uh, but I met him on teacher training and we've kind of been through this journey together. So I've always had this kind of interesting lot yardstick to measure myself yeah. against in terms of his career progression versus mine. Um, I have two sons yeah. and that's that's obviously had an impact on my career. And that's been an interesting kind of point of reflection too. Definitely. Um, I am an English teacher first and foremost, but kind of by now I'm less in the classroom and I'm working more with staff. Um, the thing I'm perhaps most passionate about in my career is working with initial teacher trainees and working with early career teachers because I think there's a real uh, need to get the best people in front of our children. And I've fundamentally, even 17 years on, really believe that actually the way to transform lives is through education. So, so I like to think I'm doing my bit um, and I've uh, co-authored one book with my brother about female leadership and I've got another one coming out next year and I'm kind of moonlighting as a bit of a writer in, in different magazines but I suppose the thing that pins it all together is I grew up disadvantaged. I wasn't really supposed to even get into the profession and when I got into the profession that was it. I'd hit the apex. And the kind of question was, oh, what do you know, do I just do this till I'm 60? Uh. And I think what I've learned through writing the book and through kind of living some of the values from the book is actually we need to see leadership model to us. And it needs to be, it needs to be modeled lightly in a way that looks joyful. Yeah. Um, but also people and teachers need to understand that actually particularly in the midst of a teacher retention and recruitment crisis actually leadership is there for the taking and that's something else I feel really strongly about and and not just let's get a person with a pulse and make them head of department you know as a, as a, as a second year teacher because that also stores problems up for kind of down the line but also you know teaching's about people and I feel I feel really fortunate in my 17 years to have hopefully touched and connected with a lot of people's lives made made some impact but increasingly this is all about kind of the next generation of teachers and I've kind of moved away from um you know classroom practice absolutely and I, I always think about it as we've moved away from teaching children but we're teaching adults as leaders and and for me that and I can hear for you that has that same sort of magic and sparkle that it has when you support children to develop new skills and build their confidence and you can see that in adults as well and I think 
you know, again, really interesting what you said about the current teacher recruitment crisis and the crisis that we have for leadership and the concern that we're going to run out of leaders in the near future. And quite rightly so, are we pushing some people into leadership too soon? Are we giving them the right support, CPD and development? So I recently read your book, Tracy, and I really loved it. And I wondered if you could share a bit more um, with our readers about your book. Certainly. So um, my brother and I, and that's interesting in itself because he is not female. We wanted to write something about female leadership. Um, the book is called Teach Like a Queen. Its full title is Teach Like a Queen, Lessons in Leadership from Great Contemporary Women. It was originally, the working title was Teach Like Beyonce, but it turns out she's trademarked and we've edited a bit. She, she's in the next book. Um, and my brother and I, just before lockdown, we went to see the musical Six. The musical Six tells the story, I'm sure people know this, but tells the story of the wives of Henry VIII in their own right. And each queen is modeled on uh, like a contemporary kind of pop star. So one is like Adele, one yeah. is like Lily Allen. And we, our minds were blown. And then we went into lockdown and we had a lot of time to think. And at this time, I was reading 10% Braver by uh, Women Ed, which has been pivotal, really, in the in this project. And th this kind of created a perfect storm where we had some time, we had some creativity, we'd been inspired. And that birthed, if you like, Teach Like a Queen. Now, Teach Like a Queen does not look like a CPD text. It's camp. It's deliberate. We didn't yeah. want it to look like a CPD text. We didn't want it to read necessarily like, you know, Rose and Shine's principles. They're beautiful, but that's not what I would want to as a an um as aspiring or a newly appointed um leader in schools. I would not have been able to stomach reading that yeah. as well as doing my job. So the idea was we would take the Nolan principles, which have uh, since been adopted by MPQH as the principles for the qualification, which is an amazing stroke of good luck, if you like. Um, <laughs> you and you planned it. I'd love to say the DFE <laughs> gave me some information, but I'm, I'm not that. I'm not that connected. Um, and we aligned each of those principles with um, an iconic, famous woman. And I, I suppose the idea was when I was a new head of year and I had to have a, a year team briefing and outwardly I looked confident but inwardly I was terrified that somebody was going to come and unmask me because I was bearing the weight of this imposter syndrome that so many women have um I used to play defying gravity by wicked yeah <laughs> uh, driving into work and I used to kind of try to fuel and incite something in me that would enable me to stand in front of my year team and and kind of fiercely lead in the way that I'd hoped to. So that was the idea. So we've we've picked women who uh, are not necessarily associated with leadership. So so that feeling of needing to draw on something or someone else, I personally have found quite powerful in my career, particularly in the early years of leadership where I didn't necessarily have like a go-to person in school and say I'm really scared about standing in front of my year team because I think they all think, why have I got this job? And I, that wasn't really something I could out either because I would lose face or credibility. So it was this idea of what what did my brother and I, what did we need when we came into leadership? And it's funny because his imposter syndrome came from the fact that he was really young and he'd been appointed over the second in maths to be the head of maths. 
we're still not sure why, but he's very good at it. But he had this similar kind of feeling, but it, it came from it came from somewhere else. So the idea was that we would align these values with women who are powerful and women who are uh, dominating and succeeding in their kind of respective fields. And some of them are women that you would associate with leadership. So there's Michelle Obama, there's Jacinda Ardern, two of my absolute favorite sheroes ever. But I think they are quite conventional female leaders. So we've also got RuPaul mm -hmm. in the book. We've also got Meghan Markle in the book. And I normally pause when if I mention Meghan Markle because <laughs> typically people get like boo, like we're in a pantomime. Um, but the whole chapter about her is about, you know, what if people disapprove of you? Yeah. What if you evoke a strong opinion? Because we we don't really have that same discourse around men. No, I, who who evoke strong opinions or who dare I say are ambitious heavens to Betsy we you know we we don't have we, there there isn't there isn't a kind of male equivalent um framework to to kind of unpick that um so so we think it's different and we wanted something that didn't feel like CPD we wanted something that you could read a chapter and then you could be super busy and then pick it up in half term and it, you would still feel like you were kind of on this, and this that's journey. Exactly, that's exactly how I, I read the book. I picked it up in, in, in pieces and and actually reading it in that way was really positive as well because it gave me that burst of what I needed for that moment for, for like you said, mm. going in and having that meeting in front of your um he, you know team, your as head of as head of year, as head of a school, um, and giving you that, that boost that you need. And it's it, it I find it really interesting that it's based on the musical six. I'm a huge, huge fan. And uh, you talk about, you know, Beyonce being your drive to, drive to school song. Well, the six, the musical soundtrack is very much one of my powerful women yeah. drive to school songs. Um, absolutely. I'm a bit long in the tooth. I was, I was, it was Beyonce when I was uh, new yeah. to leadership. <laughs> you know, we, we well, were still on CDs. Yeah. I love six. I love um, a good Spotify powerful women playlist um, to get me ready for the day. And, and there is there is something that there is something to be said for it. It, it. I know it sounds like a bit of fluff or a bit of nonsense or a bit of kind of amateur psychology, but but I can only talk about my own experiences. Yeah. And I also remember going for a job interview, and I remember watching Karen Brady on The Apprentice, and I decided I was going to go into this interview and be Karen Brady for the purpose of getting a job. I wasn't going to be you know, animated, excitable. I was going to be very measured and I was going to be very still. And I watched her body language and I watched the kind of deliberate way that she spoke and, and moved. And there is something to be said for that. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to talk about representation later on, but re representation is everything when you are not part of the mainstream as a, as a woman, you know, in leadership or as, as someone with a protected characteristic, you know, yeah. representation is is the precursor to wider diversity and inclusion. It, it's it's where it starts. Absolutely. And, you know, drawing back to what you say on representation for me and, and how that leads into that imposter syndrome, I was a young female disabled leader in a school and I haven't seen that before. I haven't seen it when I was in school myself. I hadn't mm -hmm. worked with that. And for me, again, it was that feeling of, I'm stood up in front of these people and everyone is wondering why I'm here. 
and there were lots of different ways I, I found ways many of which um, are talked about in your book to overcome that but actually there were times when that imposter syndrome really really weighed very heavily on me um, and I resonated very much to, to many of the things within your book there which again I won't go too far into and uh, give the whole whole book away for <laughs> I highly, yeah. highly recommend um, that people do get that to read and either binge it all in one weekend or dip in and out of it as they need. And, and I, I know for certain it's going to be a book that I go back into and dip into when I need that inspiration, um, a bit like when I listen to that song that I need to yeah. put into work. Amazing. So I, I mean, even better, read it and gift it. When yes. you've read it, give it to somebody else and you go, you know what, there's something in here for you. Absolutely. And that's that's what we wanted yeah, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. When I read it, I thought about many of my teaching colleagues or past teaching friends. And actually, I think it transpires into other roles rather than, you know, not just teaching leadership in general. Yeah. I've, and we've had some feedback of people saying, actually, I, I'm a nurse. But, do you know, there's a real correlation between the the uh, representation and the, the leadership and the discrepancy between male nurses and senior men. I'm like, yeah, yeah it's a thing. It is. <laughs> it's it really a thing. Is. Yeah, and it's not just our thing. And, and the way I think, you know, you spoke a bit about, you know, the book's very camp and the book uses lots of um, sheroes and, and people that are, you know, we watch on TV in the reality TV that we like to watch when we're having a bit mm -hmm. of downtime. And the way that it makes the book very accessible to many leaders who are all teachers who are put off by big academic, mm -hmm. scary, intimidating books. Yeah, and I, 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 there's a time and place for those books. There's a time and place for those books. But for me personally, if I think about a newly appointed head of year, I wasn't very old, probably 26, and I didn't look any older than 26. Yeah. I didn't have anything about me that screamed, yeah. oh, she's worldly wise. Um, I certainly in those early years of leadership while I was navigating and there's this kind of new professional identity that kind of reveals itself and, yeah. and while I was figuring all that out I certainly could not have gone home and read a really dense really dense you know uh, academic dry text though I though I do enjoy it <laughs> An academic text it, it wasn't for that time it wasn't it was and it certainly wasn't going to fire me up in a way that I hope teach like a queen does I wondered um Tracy why is there a need to single out female leadership as distinct from generic leadership yeah well if you think about leadership particularly in teaching women are underrepresented at every single echelon there's a huge pay gap and the teachers who are statistically most likely to leave the profession are women aged between 31 and 39. So for me, I think there's a real uh, correspondence with, you know, childbearing years and people having families. So I think the first thing to say is the reason we need to make it distinct is because there's, there's injustice. There is injustice within the profession. And we know, I think it goes beyond teaching, but... There is an injustice within teaching. And I think it's actually all of our responsibility as a community. And this is, you know, men, women, leaders, non-leaders. We've all got to challenge that because 
you know, we are the microcosm for society, for children in our schools. And when they see in a primary school that the only male teacher is the head teacher and he is served by a harem of very capable women, mm. we, we can't kid ourselves that that is not contributing to that wider problem yeah. in other professions. And I think the other thing to say is that, you know, I think from the research that I've done and the writing that I've done, men and women do lead a little bit differently. And I think it, I think first of all, it's okay. That's okay to to lead differently. And I think certainly as a female leader, there have been things I've learned from male leaders. I think male leaders are more inclined to take risks. They are more inclined perhaps to put themselves forward. We're perhaps all familiar with that research that says, you know, when a woman looks at a job description, she sees the 60% that she can do. And sorry, she sees the 40% that she can't do. And when a man looks at the same thing, he sees the 60, 70% that he can. Yeah. So for me, it's about, I, I just can't, I just can't serve patriarchy yeah. anymore. <laughs> and I think we, we've all, we've all got to recognize that, but it, it goes beyond gender because the vast majority of female head teachers in the UK are also white. So there's another layer to this, that it isn't just about uh, female leadership, it's about diversity in general at leadership level. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the things growing up disadvantaged I'm passionate about is some of the metric that we use to shortlist potential leaders and um, head teachers in schools, because some of that metric fails to take into account that it's not a level playing field. Mm -hmm. that that some people some of your applicants will have overcome disadvantage yeah. and that that may be gender but it may be something else it yeah. may be great like like for me I was the first one in my family to go to university yeah. you may as well have given me an Argos catalog and said <laughs> you know choose a new bike because I didn't I didn't know yeah. I didn't have any information because that information is generational it's yeah. peerage it's something that is passed down so yeah. So it isn't just about gender, it's about trying to level up. And you know, who leads in schools in particular, as I say, it's a complete microcosm for society. And we are, I think, in danger of perpetuating and mirroring some of the things that happen in society that perhaps should not happen in society. Yeah. Um, and you know, there is a gender pay gap and that, that can be explained by perhaps flexible working, but, you know, there's something like a £5,000 difference in pay between male and female head teachers if you look at kind of a median average across the, the country. I mean, how do we explain that? That's yeah. not because 25 years ago, somebody had a, a nine-month maternity leave. That's that. There's got to be something else. And I think one of the things I've learned, particularly from my work with Women Ed, men are far more comfortable discussing salary. Yeah, they are far more comfortable in negotiating, far more emboldened. And this is when I say I, we can, you know, as female leaders, we can learn from the way that men do things. But there's there's more to it than that. It's yeah. it's more, more systemic, I think, than just yeah. asking for more money. Absolutely, and I, I think that 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 you know circles back to what you're saying earlier about this idea that for women to evoke a strong opinion is seen very differently to men. And we think about things like talking about salary and talking about those more provocative subjects 
and actually there's this systemic feel that actually I'm really lucky as a female to have got into this leadership position I don't want to rock the boat (laughs) how dare I show up and take space yeah how dare my my voice be I allow my voice to be heard absolutely and something else that I've I found as a a woman in leadership and this is a well-intentioned thing that is said to me quite a lot and I I think it's a compliment but it doesn't half make my teeth itch and it's Oh, I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Well, do we say that to men? Do yeah. we do we say, I don't know how you've got children and you've got a job? No, we, mm-hmm. we don't say that. We expect it. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of, I think, unconscious bias to, yeah. to unpick. And I think certainly what we've tried to do in the book and in some of the work that's happened subsequently is just open people's eyes to, to that injustice. And I'll give you another example. How many brilliant women do you know who've sat in a meeting and ended a sentence, a perfectly valid, lucid, well-articulated sentence with something like, does that make sense? Mm. Sorry if I'm being thick. Sorry if it's me. Waiting for that validation. And apologising. You know, yeah. I, g- I gave some feedback to a, a trainee teacher. I went in to do a quality assurance visit and she was as good a a trainee science teacher as I've seen in my sort of seven or eight years of working with trainee teachers and she walked in and she said oh sorry so I sort of looked at her (laughs) and she sat down she sat down and she said sorry again and I said I'm just going to stop you there yeah why have you apologized to me twice and she sort of looked at me as if she wanted to say sorry which of course was not an option because I'd outed it and I said, you know, you've just seen one of the best science te- lessons, sorry, I've ever seen for somebody at your stage of the training. I said, and you've walked in and you've apologized twice. Are you apologizing for existing? Are yeah. you apologizing because you're in the room? Or for doing a good job? Or for doing a good job. How dare you do a good job? And how dare you expect me to say something positive? I don't know. But yeah. it's it's everywhere. And I yeah. think w- what we've tried to do in the book is we've tried to put some practical sentences that you can say when yeah. when you when you are encountering some of this or you know things to do instead of apologizing so thank you for waiting instead of sorry for being late you know mm, yeah. at, at, at these little things that i think as as women we are we are pre you know we've got this proclivity towards um i don't know is it shame is it being apologetic what 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 exactly are we apologizing for. but oh. as you say it, it, it is that I'm so glad to be here I'm yeah. so I'm so grateful to be included I've got my seat at the table but yeah. my goodness am I not going to rock that boat yeah but actually Absolutely. I'm all for rocking rocking the yeah. boat I'm all for disrupting um if it's done in a in a in a well-intentioned you know yeah. way well-intentioned intention professional way um because I think you can be incredibly provocative but professional I think it's so important what you said about your book is about raising awareness of that and and putting that discussion on the table. It's not 
at that end solution because actually if it was at that end solution we wouldn't have that gender pay gap we wouldn't have this but it's bringing forward that really important conversation which is so often avoided and you know all schools and trusts and local authorities will have their inclusion policies their equal equalities policies but actually you know what is happening at that micro level and it reminds me of something i did in my um and i always go back to this in my nqt year and it was the most powerful thing I ever did and and I would take any opportunity to do it now in any aspect of life um, which was using an iris 360 camera in my classroom um, and the purpose of it was um, for us personally to reflect on our practice you know on and to pick up on those micro interactions that we didn't spot ourselves and that we would do differently should we have an observer in the classroom and reflect on that ourselves we didn't have to share it with slt we didn't have to sit and watch it with someone and i can even think back to that now uh, you know how useful it was watching myself and realizing the unconscious language i was using mm -hmm. and I, I i often try to encompass that in my anything i'm doing now and i always always slip into those 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 errors that you you were saying about apologizing after something or waiting for some sort of body language or response to validate it even if i've got real confidence behind my ideas and thoughts that i might be sharing and and i i don't have all the answers but i think putting it on people's radar and and opening people's eyes i mean and even myself it's made it's made me more kind of deliberate in in the words i choose because actually people are watching and whether that's students or whether it's people who are trying to decide you know is leadership for me is it realistic can i can i be a leader and have a family if if she can do it can i do it and i think that's what we need and that's that's what the book is and i would also add to this that in the book we have case studies in every chapter now those case studies were all women that i um admired it's all women that i knew i had worked with or had some kind of connection with and when i interviewed those women um bear in mind these are women i'm like you know got borderline women crushes on because i get those a lot you know powerful yeah. women like oof please please can i call yeah. you mum that sort of weird <laughs> weird freudian stuff um but um I, as i was speaking to these women they all had these same crises of confidence there was real kind of pervasive themes of bravery that that came up and, and and a lot of the case studies focused on a kind of moment of courage but i had kind of been part of some of those I'd, or i'd been in the school and i and i knew kind of some of what was happening but not for one second would i have assumed that there was any kind of tension or any kind of inner struggle with that because i'm looking at the tip of the iceberg like everybody else yeah. So, so I think the other thing to say is, you know, it isn't always easy, and mm -hmm. particularly leading with a family. I remember when I was training, and there was a there was an assistant head teacher that I kind of admired, and she was a, an assistant head in a big inner city secondary school before she was forty. So I I kind of latched onto that, and I was curious about her, and I remember talking to her, and the, I tell you the reason that I liked her so much is because she knew all the cleaners' names yeah <laughs> and i thought i want to be like you her name yeah. was michelle i can't remember her surname i, I want to be like you because you you've got that you've got that in touch you value you value people you're not hierarchical you lift yeah. people up 
and I talked to her about, her about her career and she was really happy to talk to me. And she said, you know, but I'm really lucky that my partner didn't want children and he's allowed me to do that. Yeah. And I think about that conversation a lot because I was, I was training. I hadn't even qualified. And I thought, oh, oh, right. Okay. It's still this. Yeah. We still, th there's a choice coming up. Crikey. Okay. I'll have to really think about what yeah. my life is going to be because as much as I love this job do I want to sit at the age of 80 and look back at my life and think well she had a good run she taught a lot yeah. of people she, she got a few kids into uni happy days there's got to be more and actually yeah. this this idea of there's a choice it's 2023 yeah come on I, th I mean I think there's work to do in terms of flexible leadership practices yeah. and I think I think schools are going to need to um, become more flexible in response to the the kind of uh, female talent that we're kind of hemorrhaging annually every year. Um, yeah. Women in that age demographic are the biggest group of people leaving teaching, um, and I think there's there's work to do. But you know, come on, we're not still having to choose. Yeah, and it's really interesting because it, it makes me think about you know I strongly believe that to have that as much as you can in the current system, flexible working, work-life balance approach, it has to come from the top. And actually how, like you said, that impact it's had on you, how it is for, for, for young leaders, um, new leaders, aspiring leaders, even experienced leaders to look up to the head in their school and see that they feel that the reason they've got there is they've sacrificed that in their life. And and I know we're talking specifically about females and having families, but you could replace that with many other things mm. um, that females could have going on. Maybe, you know, I know this is more of a choice, but it could be, well, I really want to travel while I'm young, but actually I know I need to get into my career quickly because I have to have children. And it's something that I, I think about so often, I don't have children yet, but from the very beginning of my career, it's always been in my mind that where do I want to get to before I have children? And that pressure that mm -hmm. it feels to pack those things in, because in in the representation of people that I've had has been that it, it doesn't work having children. I know of people, but I haven't been in a position where I've worked in a school where that has worked or I haven't been there in a moment where they have really struggled. And in some ways, that's because I've, I've been in a leadership role where I've, I've supported other leaders or other team members who are struggling with that. Um, and 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 been able to support them through that in in whichever way um but it is you know and it's often a discussion in the staff rooms that eternal struggle to balance you know i want to have had a family but i shouldn't have to miss out on my career and it, it's something that i'm definitely very interested in in and and definitely felt throughout your book i i definitely got to the end of it and thought i did feel empowered it was like that person i've been missing throughout my career to inspire me that it is okay to yeah I could do this you know she can do it I can and that's where I think the book is so special to people like me who might be in a school where they haven't had that experience yet or haven't mm -hmm. had that role model um to be able to see and feel inspired by that and just take the pressure off themselves a little bit because um, yeah and women are amazing women are amazing so if you say oh I'm really having a bad day because my son's not done his spellings and it's going to be really bad there will be a stampede of people wanting to support you, but they people can't support what they don't know. And yeah. I think there's a big 
there's a big piece about vulnerability and women because I think there's a there's a kind of um entrenched I don't know if I'd call it pride but it's it's a I can't be seen to show yeah. weakness because I've got to hold my own here yeah. and for heaven's sake I can't have an emotion but actually actually compassion empathy emotion parenthood they are all things that have made me a better teacher and leader yeah um, and yeah. it can be done, but you do, you need to see it to be done. And you also need to go, right, if I go and ask the head, can I go to my nativity this year? Yeah. Is it a thumbs up? Is it a thumbs down? You need to have those allies, yeah. I think. Um, but again, it, I think it's something that people don't discuss yeah. enough. Um, yeah. And I think there's work to do. And I would, you know, when I'm ahead, if you want to go to your child's nativity, I'm going to find a way to make that happen, whether you're a man or you're a woman, yeah. it, 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 within what is reasonable, because your children will be little for a short amount of time and yeah. you're going to be teaching for a long amount of time. Yeah. So it, it's a fleeting, it's a fleeting chapter in yeah. your life. And actually one of the case study women um, in the book, in the Malala chapter, talks about how she implemented, um, you know, strategy to support, um, women specifically coming back from maternity leave and some of the some of the flexible working practices that have been agreed but you know it, it's not it's not widespread nearly enough no it's not and and it is very difficult to implement I um, was an interim head teacher in a school where uh, we had recruitment difficulties we had agency staff and 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 yes that impact of having a member of staff out at at the school activity or the sports day did have that knock-on effect but actually the impact on well-being that it had being able to release that member of staff and it created that culture of people not being afraid to ask and actually knowing I can be there for my child and I know that school will keep control of things will keep a hand on things will keep things going and they will be okay for the hour that I'm going to pop out to see them in their play um, and, and, and I think you're so right about that and I, I think it comes from that underlying feeling that that women are more vulnerable than men, and this is something that I myself, looking back, have gone to great, great lengths to try and hide in my career um, because I felt that having that mix of being young, disabled, and a woman, I would be seen as vulnerable and unreliable and not consistent. And actually, I felt. That a leader needed to be there all the time to be consistent to be the one that can cope with anything and no matter what will be there and actually that's not how a good school runs a good school runs without that leader even being there um, and a good school trusts yeah. people so yeah. that even when that leader isn't there yeah you know people will make good decisions and they yeah. will uphold the school values but i think it, that comes back to culture yeah. And we, we talk a lot about psychological safety in the book and the and the role that trust plays. And I think good leaders can trust their staff and still hold them to account. I don't think it's something that you choose. Oh, I'll do one or the other. Yeah. But, but, you know, we need to empower teachers. Yeah. We need to empower staff. We need to empower children. But And that doesn't happen if, you know, the only time we're compliant is when the head teacher's walking around. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And so we've covered on this, I guess, already, but I want to really think about why representation is so key within female leadership in, in particular. 
Yeah, I mean, we have we have touched on this, but for me, representation is everything. And I think it, I don't think we're just talking about staff here. I think we're we're talking about students as well, because you know, thinking specifically again about motherhood, do we do we want you know girls of fourteen, fifteen, sixteen to go into their careers and think, well, I'm just going to bide my time till I have a baby, and then I'll I'll have to do something different. We we need you know young uh women we need uh females to go out into their careers you know with the view of being the captains of industry and being the very best most uh important most um efficient and effective version of themselves yeah. so for me re representation is is absolutely everything and i think there's a there's a danger that you have when you talk about representation that it can sound like tokenism and yeah. we're thinking about oh who have we got on our staff who you know how can we tick a BAME box and that's not what I mean by by representation I mean that we've got authentic people in who perhaps have overcome disadvantage or perhaps uh, are underrepresented whether that's in the school, whether that's in leadership in general. And, you know, as we've said, women are one kind of aspect of that. Um, and certainly for me, I've worked with some amazing uh, inspirational female leaders. And, I, and I, I've kind of uh, like collected a little bit of them, you know, like, like broken dolls. I've taken pieces mm. um, with me and they've be, that's become part of my... CPD and I still maintain that that working with some of the very effective female leaders that I work with in my school and in my trust that's the best CPD I've had better than any course I've been on with the free lunch yeah. and the you know the nice nice, nice view. It, it, yeah, yeah but but really when you when you work with um really effective leaders you see that day in day out and you yeah. you can't help almost by osmosis um yeah take some of that with you so for, for me representation is is a precursor to inclusivity and yeah. I think you know we've come a long way I think there's still a lot more work to do yeah um, in terms of particularly around protected characteristics yeah. and, and and leadership and you know if we need to make an adaptation in line with the DDA uh, to accommodate leadership you know, why would that be different for any other protected characteristic? Right. If I need to go and leave and pray at a certain time, yeah. for example, or, yeah. um, you know, if I had a circuitous route into education because I'm a refugee or or, yeah. or whatever, I think there is there is still work to do around that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I resonate to so much of what you're saying. I think back to my time in school and you know, arguably through that unconscious bias, um, I was very ill when I was younger. And so it was considered that that was too much. I wouldn't be able to overcome that and get a, an education. And um, I was only offered to do two A-levels at school. And I had to argue through that. And I said, well, I can't become a teacher with two A-levels. And, and that's what I want to do. And that's what I believe I can achieve if you give me the right support but that there wasn't that belief in me and I can really see reflecting on it now as an adult how the only thing that got me through a system that was systematically persistently working against me to achieve was I was very very lucky to have two parents that had the um, ability and financial security to fight for me 
and to be able to do that for me and to be that voice and so I talk about putting people in the room and how important that is we talk about male leaders and the differences when you're that one female leader in the room when you're that one BAME leader in the room that one disabled mm -hmm. leader in the room and actually I think there's a lot to think about in terms of what are we doing lower down what are we doing in the system from the very very grassroots the very mm -hmm. earliest days of children's education to make sure that we are putting them in that room and my favorite role as a leader working in disadvantaged schools was supporting one pupils by being that voice for them where their parents mm -hmm. couldn't but also supporting parents to become that voice to know how they yeah. can actually fight for their children in a positive way it doesn't have to be an angry rant at the school gates but actually what is your child entitled to what are these barriers yeah and we forget that people who become teachers generally felt accepted at school mm. they generally on the whole enjoyed school found school to be a safe place where they where it resonated with them or they resonated with it so there's there's a, there's a job of work to do and so fe female leadership as important as it is it's only one aspect it's only one aspect of a bigger conversation and certainly policy certainly uh, decision making there's there is work to do so yeah. Teach Like a Queen is our little contribution, I suppose, yeah. to the ongoing conversation. Um, but I'm just thrilled. I'm just thrilled to be in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And linking slightly back to what you said about the case studies and the, the, the different um, sheroes that you use in your book, I think what I really liked is there was many throughout it that resonated with me, some more than others. But in that sense, there is something for everyone because even if you don't see yourself in one of the case studies, I can guarantee you will in some of the others. Yeah, and it isn't, you know, I'm a Jacinda Arden and you're a, a RuPaul. Actually, they, they're kind of archetypes that you can draw on and some yeah. contexts will need you to be more RuPaul and some yeah. will need you to be Kim Kardashian. Mm. Um, uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, there's a sentence I never thought I would say in that yeah. context, but 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 it's 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 about you know what do I need now what does this bit need and yeah. I'm all for being authentic but I'm also all for drawing on a persona and a mm -hmm. character when 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 yeah. it's needed and we we talk about drag queens in the book and how mm -hmm. interesting it is that this empowered version of a man is actually a female yeah. and how kind of sort of yeah. ironic that is in the context of of patriarchy so so sorry, not sorry for the absolute campness, celebration of <laughs> women, <laughs> celebration of women and for using the word slay in an academic text. Not sorry. No, not at all. I enjoyed it. And I think any CPD that can make you laugh and feel that joyous and hopeful at the end of it is is so, so worth it. And yeah for me it didn't like you said did not feel like cpd in any way reading that book and is one that i will definitely dip into so i guess what i'd like to know from you is i'm a female leader or i'm wanting to get into leadership as a female at the moment what are those key barriers that i need to overcome key barriers are first of all limiting assumptions and they tend to come from the self they tend to come from us of no one's going to take me seriously because, or I've just come back from maternity leave, I can't possibly apply for X. Um, 
so there's limiting assumptions there's definitely unconscious bias um that affects women and i don't know how many times this has happened to you but if i've had like an emotional reaction in work and someone will be like oh don't be hysterical or are, are you hormonal yeah. no <laughs> i think i feel things very deeply and i care a lot that's not that's not a hormone that's not that's not even to do with being a woman that's just how i'm wired yeah um so there's there's a lot of unconscious bias to unpick. I think there are real um, challenges in terms of flexible working practices, yeah. um, and in terms of particularly coming back from maternity leave. I'm a real odd case because I actually got promoted on both maternity leaves, but the, the kind of by accident rather than by design. Yeah. Um, but I have a real strong feeling that women need to be coached when yeah. they come back and there needs to be a kind of adjustment of identities. And yeah. um, and again, I think it comes back to representation. So although the barriers are very real, I think it's really important to focus on the solutions. Yeah. And for, for me, it's about representation. It's about outing this patriarchy. I was delighted the other day, somebody came to me and said, I was at a conference and there were two men talking about golf and I would never have gone and interrupted them if I hadn't read your book. And I was like, my work here is done. Yeah. Mic drop. Because these two men were having a really intense conversation about golf while at a teaching in Ofsted like conference. Yeah. Um, and, and this female, this brilliant, I should add, female leader, leader was like, I just went and said, I'm so sorry. I realize you're having an important conversation about golf. Could I just ask you about this? Yeah. And I was like, yes, more of this, please. Yeah, more of absolutely. This. I love that. It's that confidence to disturb the rhetoric that isolates females from from any conversation, even a mm -hmm. conversation about golf, um, mm -hmm. which, yeah, we, we've already covered this in some ways. But how have you and how are you navigating those barriers to being a successful female in leadership? Um. Some days by putting one foot in front of the other and putting a smile on my face. Yeah. Um, and then some days being more deliberate in thinking about um, I'm going to challenge this assumption yep. or I'm going to question this policy. I'm going to ask where the school's menopause policy is, for example. I'm deliberately going to, to do that in a professional way. Um, but I think I suppose the thing I'm most acutely aware of is other people are watching. Mm -hmm. And if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. And if I can juggle, you can juggle. And if I can have two children, one of whom has additional needs, the other one's just a nightmare and I can still <laughs> turn up every day. I can still work full time and I can still feel like I'm making a difference. You definitely can too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, although I know we're talking right now and it, it, it sometimes it's felt it comes across in a different way that encapsulates exactly how i felt at the end of reading your book and mm. to me it is like i've said this a few times throughout this podcast now but to me it is that idea that it is like that song that i can play when i need that boost and inspiration and the way it's been written so that you can dip in and out of it and so that i know you know okay i've developed and and i've learned from this book but i've got I'm going for this promotion or I've got this interview or I'm doing this parents workshop. That's what I'm going to read that morning. I'm going to go back and remind myself of that chapter. 
and um i know you've got a, you're working on a new book that's going to be coming out soon and yeah, yeah i'm already so <laughs> to read are you able to share a little bit about what it might be like yeah so this the second book is with a different co-author a colleague of mine and this one is called well-being wins for teachers mm -hmm. and what we can learn from iconic individuals so we look at protected characteristics mm -hmm. so that so the archetypes for each chapter are not women they yeah. are archetypes of people with disability yeah people who have overcome this advantage BAME representation um Tina Turner's in there Dolly Parton's in there Stephen Hawking Dolly Parton in there. Fan. <laughs> uh, I mean can you imagine if one of those people reads this book I mean not Tina Turner or Stephen Hawking but you know any Dolly of the Parton. other people Dolly pa we will we, we will work to get it to Dolly Parton hashtag let's reach Dolly yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm behind it <laughs> Yeah, I'm still waiting for Meghan Markle to reach out and be friends after Teach Like a Queen. I think it's a matter of time. Any day now, I'm sure. Uh, I, maybe, maybe when I check my email. Yeah. She'll She's have slid into the DMs. Right <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Tracy, it has been so fantastic talking to you. And I know that our listeners will be feeling as hopeful, but not just hopeful, joyous, and reminded of actually why it's so fantastic to be a female in education and leadership in so many ways despite yes. these barriers and um hopefully more hopeful as i said about finding those solutions to work through it because we want these leaders to stay we want these female leaders to stay yes we want these great female teachers to have that confidence to break through whether you've had a baby whether you're having a baby whether you, whether you hate babies, I don't hate babies whatever like whether you've just got a puppy like i have who doesn't sleep yeah. at night <laughs> whether you're whether you weren't assigned female at birth just exactly go out there yeah. and slay stick it to the patriarchy Absolutely. disrupt 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 fantastic well it has been an absolute delight talking to you tracy and we will definitely be getting you back on our podcast um to chat about your new book as soon as it's out Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Leaders Podcast. Join us again for more SLT and subject leadership conversations and follow Twinkle SLT and Twinkle Subject Leads on our socials.